chapter 10. Romans 10. And we're going to be reading just the verses 12 through 17 of this chapter. Romans 10, beginning at, at verse 12. What we hear now is God's word. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. We come this morning to the end of our mission emphasis week on this Lord's Day. Uh, you can tell we still have the flags up front reminding us of the various ways God's word is going out around the world. Last week, we were privileged to hear one of our missionaries, Reverend Bill Green, talk about the work going on in Costa Rica and explaining more of that and the church's responsibility last Wednesday night. This past Friday night, there was local street evangelism going on in Claremont. Saturday morning, a food for life distribution following our breakfast. And tonight, after our worship service, we gather for a time of prayer for missions. Our church has been having this week for almost 50 years now to regularly remind us of the importance of the work of missions. This year, our theme verse is from Romans chapter 10, and hence I'll be preaching on that this morning, continuing the theme of missions from this text. Now, Romans 10 really all belongs as one piece, but there is so much here. We're going to limit our focus this morning just to these few verses, uh, 12 through 17. These verses point out the importance and the place of preaching in the work of evangelism. Now we know that there are various methods by which we invite people to hear the preaching of the word. Some engage in uh, simply going out to the neighborhood, knocking on doors, and welcoming people to come to church where the preaching of the gospel takes place. That's a method of welcoming people to come to church. Some uh, prefer to develop more of a relationship with their co-workers, with their neighbors, develop a relationship with them, and then, as the time is right, invite them to come to worship, to come to hear the preaching of the gospel. 
Now, I'm not going to talk this morning about the, the benefits of which a method is better, but just to remind you that whatever method we use, they serve one purpose. And that is so the one who has not heard before may hear the proclamation of the gospel, may hear the preaching of God's word. Because that gospel and that preaching is powerful. Paul said that back at the beginning of Romans. He says in chapter 1, verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The preaching of the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That was Paul's focus. That is his focus in chapter 10, the power of the preaching of the word and its place in evangelism. So that will be our focus as well. Not to discourage the other facets of evangelism, but Paul focuses on the role of preaching in evangelism, reminding us that it is through the gospel proclaimed, through the ministry of the word, that people come to faith and are saved because of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He reminds us of the power of that gospel in this text, verse 12. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Paul has used that phrase, there is no distinction, earlier in this letter. We read that earlier in Romans chapter 3, where we read in chapter 3, verse 23, beginning in verse 22, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no distinction. All are sinners. All are fallen. Paul gives that, that desperate litany how there is no one righteous, not even one. All have turned away. No one seeks for God. There is no distinction. No distinction in our sin. No distinction in our fall. No distinction that we cannot do anything to earn salvation. And now he, it's as if he gives the balance to that. There is also no distinction in God's power to save. No distinction between Jew and Greek. We miss how radical that statement is. Paul saying there is no distinction between Jew and Greek when it comes to the power of God in salvation. Now, they would say, certainly, the power of God is there to save the Jews. The Jews were God's chosen people. They had all the blessings of God's favor for many, many years, for centuries. Of course God could save them. But the Greeks, the Gentiles, these who were not part of the people of God, Paul says, for them too, there is no distinction in the power of God to shower his riches. That was unimaginable. This powerful gospel, not only sufficient to save the Jews, God's people, but sufficient to save the Gentiles. That's how powerful the gospel is. 
He says, there is no distinction. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all, on all who call on him. And then he says in verse 13, for everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He doesn't say everyone who calls in the name of the Lord might be saved. Everyone who calls on the Lord may be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The power of the gospel to secure their salvation. Christ did not come to make salvation possible for us. Christ did not come to offer us salvation. Christ did not come to say, look, I've done my part. Now it's up to you to do your part. Christ came to secure the salvation of each and every one of his own. A power sufficient to accomplish salvation for all of his people. Paul here echoing what he says just a few verses earlier in this text in verse nine, uh, verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not might, not may. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified. With the mouth one confesses and is saved. The power of the gospel sufficient to save each and every one of God's chosen people. And that is a power that does not run out. The power of the gospel never fails. It was sufficient to save Paul's hearers. It is still sufficient to save those who hear the gospel today. And so the call goes out to you. Embrace this truth. Embrace Jesus Christ. The power of the gospel has not run out. It is still the day of salvation. Embrace Jesus Christ and know the joy of belonging to him. Everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Paul goes on then in these next couple verses, to lay out the means by which someone can call and be saved. And he gives us this, uh, <clears throat> this chain of things that have to happen for someone to call on the name of the Lord and therefore be saved. And he gives us the chain in kind of a backwards progression. So we have to kind of back into these next few verses. He begins with, everyone who calls will be saved. The need to call out to God for salvation. That is necessary. We must call out to God for salvation. Calling out with our mouth. That's what he says in chapter, uh, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Verse 10, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. There is a need to call out to God. But he says, verse 14, 
how can they call on him in whom they have not believed? It is not simply a matter of parroting a certain number of words. Here, here, pray this prayer and you'll be saved. But it is belief. Belief in the truth. Belief in the gospel. Belief in Jesus Christ. Which is why he says above, not only with your, with your mouth you confess, but with your heart you believe and are justified. Not simply saying the right words, but belief in our heart who Jesus is, what he has done, and what he has done for me. We need to call on him, but how can we call on someone who we do not believe in? And then he goes on, and how can we believe in him of whom they have never heard? How can they believe without hearing? And there's a wonderful, beautiful, uh, exegetical issue going on here in verse 14. I'm not going to go into all of that. Other than to say, our translation does not help us here a lot. When it says, how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Some of you have a footnote in your Bible. that says, how are they to believe in him whom they have never heard? And that is actually a much better reading. How are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? In the call of the gospel, they hear not about Christ. They hear Christ himself. How are they to believe whom they have not heard? And so he says, if they're going to believe the one whom they have heard, and how are they to hear without someone Preaching. What Paul is saying is, in preaching, we don't only hear about Christ, we hear Christ. Christ calls to us in the preaching of the word, Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. They don't hear about Jesus, they hear Jesus. The call in preaching. And so Paul concludes this chain. And how can they preach unless they are sent? Now, I in no way want to minimize the importance of the responsibility each of us has in our circle of influence to share the truth of the gospel. That is, that is, that is, that is part of belonging to God, is sharing the truth that we know. But that truth, written elsewhere in Scripture, is not Paul's point here. Paul's point here is not that all of us have to go out and preach. Paul's point here, in the choice of the words that he uses, is there has to be this official proclamation of the Word of God. These men need to be sent by the church to give this declaration. He's talking about missionaries. Missionaries have to be sent. How can they hear unless missionaries go out? Missionaries to tell the truth of the gospel. 
both in domestic missions and in foreign missions. We see all these flags around us, various countries where the word of God, the preaching of God is going on. That includes our own country. Domestic missions. We prayed for that this morning. Works going on in our country. Works going on up the road in Santa Clarita. The work of missions. Because just like the world needs to have missionaries who are sent so that preaching can be done and that Christ can be heard and that belief can be placed in Him that we can call, so too for domestic missions. That men are sent to preach the gospel that Christ might be heard and people believe and then call upon Him. In this text, Paul highlights the importance of missionaries. Missionaries sent with the truth of the gospel. Missionaries who hear these words, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Being sent as a missionary charged with the truth of the gospel to declare that officially to all who would hear that they might call out to Jesus Christ. I appreciated what Reverend Green had to say to us Uh, last week from the pulpit when he talked about some of the hindrances to our sending of missionaries and particularly struck me when he said sometimes parents can be a hindrance to the call to missions oh it's fine if somebody else's son does that but not mine not mine I want to keep mine here and keep mine safe well at the cost of perhaps troubling some parents, I would say to the young men in this congregation, if you are feeling the call to that type of ministry, if you are feeling the call, a burning in your heart to go and declare the gospel to the nations, do not let anyone quench that call. How can they call on the one whom they have not believed? How can they believe on the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without preaching? And how can they preach unless they are sent out? That includes our sons. Sent, perhaps, around the world. But sent with the glorious gospel of Christ. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Paul then concludes this part of the chapter by saying this, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Paul reminds us that that even when those are sent out and preaching is done and the, the, the word is heard, there are two different responses to that message, to that preaching. Not all obey the gospel. We remind ourselves, first of all, that that does not mean there is any problem with the gospel. We do not have to somehow change the gospel, tweak the gospel, make the gospel less declarative of who Jesus Christ is. There is no deficiency in the gospel. The preaching of the word is sufficient and powerful to save. The problem is not with the gospel. The 
problem with this is with those who hear. Not all have obeyed the gospel. What does it mean to obey the gospel? The call in the gospel is repent and believe. Repent and believe. Believe this truth that it is for you. He says not all obey that. Our own stubbornness, our hard hearts, our unwillingness to submit to Christ keep us from obeying that call of the gospel. Keep us from repenting and believing. Not all will obey the gospel. And as a result, even though faithful preaching goes on, even though missionaries are sent domestically and foreign, not all obey. And still there are those who are lost, lost for eternity. It reminds us, while the work of missions is ours to do and ours to support, the final results are left to God himself. He is the one who who opens hearts, that they might obey the gospel, which is why he concludes with this more encouraging word. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Yes, some will not obey the gospel, but some will. Some will hear that declaration of who Jesus Christ is, what he has done, That he has not only saved us from all of our sins, he has granted us his own righteousness. They will hear that proclamation, they will hear that declaration, and God will in that hearing, the gospel is so powerful that it brings someone who is dead and unable to hear, brings them to life. And their ears become open to the truth of of the gospel. Their hearts become open to what Jesus Christ has done. God gives them the gift of faith. And we certainly confess faith comes from God. It is his gift to us. But it is for us then to exercise that gift. To believe the truth that God has shown to us in the gospel. To embrace the work of Christ. We must must hear that call and respond to that call. By the faith God has given to us. Obeying the gospel through faith and repentance. And so that, that is the call that goes out once again this morning. If you have never before, then this morning I call you to obey the gospel. Repent and believe. Believe in what Jesus Christ has done. He has come down from heaven, the one and only Son of God. He has offered himself on the cross to secure the salvation of all who believe. You have heard the preaching. You must believe that and call out to God. And you too will know the joy of salvation you too will know what it is to belong to God, body and soul, in life and in death, to your faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And that that embracing Christ by faith, 
is not for this life only, but secures for us an eternity with God, our Lord and Savior forever. That's the call of the gospel today. Salvation wrought by the power of God through the preaching of that truth. A power sufficient to save each and every one of God's people throughout time. A word that has been sent out, has been heard, believed, and now called upon. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved for this life and for the life to come. Oh, we thank God that in his, in his wonderful providence, he has given us the preaching of the gospel, powerful to save, both for the Jews and also for us Gentiles. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we do thank you and praise you that you have revealed yourself to us so beautifully in your word. And we thank you, O oh God, that you have directed the means by which we may be saved. When that word is faithfully proclaimed by those called by you to declare your truth. Lord God, we pray for that work as it goes on here in Chino. We pray for that work as it goes on in domestic missions and as it takes place in foreign missions. All of us, O oh God, need to hear that gospel again, that we might receive it by faith, call out to you, and know that all who call on the name of the Lord will most certainly be saved. Thank you for your ongoing work, O oh God. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. Hear our prayer, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We turn to number... 